ago, I wasn't doing these things. I wasn't even thinking of these things. And this all stemmed from that, hey, what's your greenest t-shirt conversation? And now I live the sustainable lifestyle from down to the shampoos, to the water bottles, to everything. And it's a way of life. It's not just a trend. You can't solve all the world's problems with one order, but you really need to narrow in on the things that matter for that project and make it really specific to them. I had one client put the mission statement for their company on the inside pocket of their high-end jackets that they were giving to their sales team. And I thought that was genius because then the person who's putting that jacket on every morning, they're being reminded of their why every time they put that jacket on. Hi everyone, it's Johanna with Promo Kitchen and Access Promotions. And today I am with Ashley Coletti, who is with Promo Kitchen and Common Skew. Glencora Twig, who is with Fairwear, and Meg Erber with SNS Activewear. And I'm really excited we're going to be speaking to you today about selling sustainability. So before we get started, I'd love to get a quick intro on this great crew. Glencora, let's start with you. Sure. Thank you for having me. Glencora Twig, I've been in the intersection of fashion, product design and development, sustainability, marketing, sales and brand for over 20 years. Been with Fairwear for, I guess, about four years now. And I'm just in the middle of a maternity leave, but should be coming off of that and back in the hot seat soon enough. Awesome. And Ashley? Hi, I'm Ashley Kalati from Common Skew. I've been in the industry for nearly 15 years now, most of that on the distributor side, the last two years at Common Skew. And if you're wondering what I'm doing here in a sustainability conversation, it's that I don't really know that much about it. And I'm here to ask the questions and find out more. Thank you. And Meg? Hey, everybody. Meg here. I've been in the industry for 17 years. I have been with SNS Activewear for the last five years. I'm also on the Promo Cares board. One of the pillars that we focus on is sustainability. So I'm super excited today to talk about how to sell on sustainability. Well, thank you guys. We can jump right in. Super excited about this conversation. So Ashley, why don't you kick us off here? Yeah. So not too long ago, I was having this conversation with a friend because sustainability is such a buzzword right now. And we're hearing a lot of people ask for it. They want to know where to get sustainable products. And I thought, well, I know the basics, but I don't really know what sustainability means. Like, does it have to be everything? Is there a code that we have to follow? So my question to kind of kick things off is, what is sustainability? And how do you determine if something is sustainable? Glencore, you want to help us there? Yeah, sure. For 20 years, I've sort of operated in the sustainability space and product and when we're looking at sustainability, it's really about looking through a lens of impact, both the impact that you're making in terms of the product that you're designing, how, where, who's doing it, as well as the material that you're using and doing what we would call a product lifecycle analysis in order to understand the impacts of your product design and development. But for me personally, sustainability is really a lens through which you can look at the world and make sense of it. For me personally, I believe that we need to be doing more in order to maintain the health and vibrancy of this planet for not only ourselves, but for all of our future generations. Every single thing that we manufacture has some kind of an implication to ethical and environmental concerns. So really sustainability is looking at what those implications are 
and how we can work to minimize any impacts we have on the people in the planet. Awesome. Thank you for that. Meg, recently you and I were chatting and you shared a story with me about a customer that came to you and asked you for your most quote unquote sustainable t-shirt. And it was a really good story that led to much more. Can you walk us through what happened and what transpired with you and SNS after that phone call? Absolutely. I love this story. So a buddy of mine called me. He's like, Meg, you're the expert. I need your most sustainable t-shirt. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not that much of an expert. Let me look in my search engine. (laughs) And I found, you know, an alternative shirt. It might have had 6% recycled material in it. And I sent that over to him. What did I know, you know, at the time? And he was like, no, Meg, I need you to think deeper. And I'm like, well, elaborate. What do you mean? He's like, all right, well, how much water was used in the dyeing process? You know, what if we had to overnight the cotton or X, Y, and Z? How, think about all the emissions that went into the air. So he really wanted me to break it down and find out which brand had the most sustainable life cycle of the t-shirt. So I said, you know what? This is going to take a little bit more than 10 minute search. Let me take this back to my marketing team and let's see what we can come up with. And I feel like this really propelled us into this deeper level of you know, going green or going sustainable because it really propelled us. We started asking more from our vendors and our mills, like, hey, what are you doing? Like, what is your platform? Do you have a CSR? Like, what is going on on the realm of sustainability with the goods that we're buying from you? And the next thing I know, we're in our next product preview, which we have every year. And it's when our mills come in and they teach us about all their products. And the first, I would say 10 to 15 minutes of every single meeting, and mind you, this lasts four to five days long, was about how each brand was taking, you know, let me preface this, everybody's in different stages of this, nobody's going to just jump right in and be like the most sustainable company. So we have to just keep that as a baseline, like everybody is in different places. But they did talk about what they were doing, what their plans were, and what made them more sustainable. And it was really eye-opening just learning about the different life cycles of all the t-shirts, how much water is used. Certain brands like Bella Canvas, for instance, they really pride themselves on having a sustainable practice, but they don't actually have a quote-unquote eco-friendly tea, which I'm sure we'll go into later. But so that really propelled something. And then moving forward, we've all made this really big push. SNS, you know, we kind of have to rely on our partners, but from a distribution point of view, we installed over 2,500 high-efficiency solar light panels. We started recycling all of our cardboard boxes. We installed water refilling stations, recycling stations. So we're doing a bunch within our distribution centers as well, but we do rely on our manufacturers for them to be able to bring us more sustainable options. So you'd learn the manufacturer's story and you'd learn their why and their how, and then did you just do company-wide training to all the sales reps to educate distributors? Yeah, actually, and we are doing it in pieces. They did give us training decks, which is amazing because it gives us all the tools that we need to be able to educate our customers. They say, hey, you don't have to take this entire training deck and then push on your customers, take out what you need, what defines your personality. And I was then able to really go in and kind of pull out all of our sustainable products, sustainable brands and make a training deck and shared it with the team. And What's really neat about this is that it really delves into all of the products, all of the practices, the why, the how, and it's all about educating us so we can educate the customers so then they can educate the end users, which it all boils down to. Yeah. Glencore, I've heard Denise, you know, from Fairware in podcast speak 
about your clients at this point, your customer is saying to you, what's the manufacturer's story? What's their why? What's their how? So hopefully this podcast will encourage other distributors to get their clients asking the same questions. I'm going to throw you guys for a loop here because I didn't have this plan, but I'm sure both of you saw some news this week around Patagonia. Patagonia has set some rules in place about, they've always been particular about what clients and what brands they'll align with, which is great. And they've always been really strict in adhering to that. But just yesterday, they had a formal announcement that they are not allowing anyone to put their corporate logos on their product because it does not make it sustainable. They want their products to last. If Glencora leaves and her logo is on the jacket, it's no longer sustainable. So what do you guys think about that? Well, Fairwear is representing Patagonia for Canadian clients currently, and we support that. We think that it's really important for brands to sort of put a line in the sand because otherwise it sort of blends into a greenwashing potential. You know, Patagonia is a retail brand. They have their own mission, vision, and values that they need to protect first. And we all know that our partnerships can help us on our mission or detract from the mission that we're on. So by being very particular about who they're partnering with and ensuring they meet their standards, they're not only sending the message to people to step up their game, but they're also protecting their brand. They're future-proofing their organization. So I personally think it's a really wise decision on their part, but I can see how it would be frustrating for a lot of people. Harken back to something that Meg said, everybody's sort of in a different place on their journey and it doesn't help anybody to shame somebody for not knowing certain kinds of information or being new to this conversation and dialogue. Imagine you're somebody who's like trying to get healthy for the first time. Maybe you've had really bad eating and exercise habits. And then finally, you're like, you know what, I want to make a change in my life. And it's going to improve myself and my family life and my work life and everything around me. Would you shame them for trying to make good decisions just because they hadn't been there before? No, we would encourage them and want to move them along that journey, right? So I just bring that back to sustainability in the same way. There's some people who know nothing about this or what they know is incorrect. And so really having open, candid, kind, and supportive conversations is really key, I think. Yeah. I mean, there's a saying, you know, day one or one day, that's exactly what we hope this podcast brings to so many people. Maybe sustainability has been, as Ashley said, a buzzword for you, and that's okay. Today can be your day one. Sorry to push back against your comment there, but what is greenwashing? Greenwashing is the practice when companies will claim certain kinds of environmental impacts from their product development or design that are not actually accurate or true. So it's sort of like an overclaiming on your environmental benefit. And we're seeing this a lot across industries and across sectors. And I suppose my general message whenever I talk to my clients is like, just don't make any kinds of overclaim. Be honest and factual about what you are and what you aren't doing. There's often very good reason for why people are not yet implementing certain ethical or environmental standards. We can't do everything all at once, but you know, we want people to do what they can. So we have greenwashing, we have ethics washing. We just want to be clear and concise with their language and claims that we make. Yes. Yeah. I mean, great input about Patagonia and Meg and Ashley, if you have any input on what the decision made this week for you, it does really impact our business. Like you said, you know, our corporate clients. That's become a staple uniform for the CEO. I hear it all the time. Well, the CEO got this from someone and we should have the same thing, front, left, chest, Patagonia. With remote work being so prominent, I think luckily it's turned into the hoodie. So Patagonia has been so 
you know, popular for so long, more people are leaning towards a great hoodie. But it'll be interesting to see what our clients think and hopefully will open their eyes a little bit and get them to think more forward. I just wanted to add something to that, and that's don't underestimate the buyers because the buyers are making these kinds of decisions in other aspects of their lives and they might be more educated, at least I am, when it comes to making these decisions. When I was on the distributor side, I remember talking to some university clients and they had questions like, what's the end story for that product? They wanted to know all the details. So they were much more educated than I was as somebody that's coming to them with products. Yeah, I think that brings it all back to knowing your customer, right? Like we all want to sell sustainability. We all have this passion to leave this earth a better place than we brought into it. So, you know, not all products and services are created equal at the end of the day. The audience and how they appeal to it obviously varies in age, culture, taste, values mostly, which we talk about price. Price was always a really big part of buying on sustainability. 10 years ago, it was great. It was a trend. 2011, yeah, let's go green. But then people were more a little self-serving back then and price overweighed the value at that time. So moving forward 10 years later, it's not just a trend. It is here to stay. It's ongoing. And I think because we're demanding more overall from the supply chain, it's become more affordable because the technology that has come about in the last 10 years. Glencora, help me out here because you know more about this when it comes to the price and, and how it's been affected over the last 10 years. Yeah, thanks, Meg, for that, because it is such an important part of the buying process, right? You know, you've got your fun stuff, the ideation, and maybe we could do this and maybe we could do that. And everybody's jazzed. And then, you know, as you move down the funnel and you start getting more and more detailed, and then you're just like, oh, there's the shipping and the duties and the this and the there's perhaps price escalation, even on a regular product. The truth is that sustainable products are becoming more affordable. Historically, they have certainly definitely been a premium product, but we're seeing much more affordability. You can get really well-priced recycled polyester t-shirts. You can get really well-priced bamboo products for all sorts of hard goods. There are, of course, some still very expensive sustainable products out there for premium brands that care to do that for the right activation. But when it comes to price objection, it really comes down to realigning the buyer with their mission, vision, and values and reminding them of why they're purchasing into this product space in the first place. And that usually actually goes back to the company's overall mission, vision, and values. You know, I've worked with some of the best in North America for sustainable and ethical brands. And it's amazing to me how sometimes I'm the one sort of reminding them of what their company stands for and what kinds of products will uphold that mission, vision and values and what products don't. And they're like, but we need a thousand of them because we have to give them away. So one thing that I talk to them about is less is more. Can you purchase something that's better quality or a bigger product or a nicer product that has a good end life story or reusability or a pass on factor? That would then get you the brand recognition that you're gunning for at like a thousand hits or something like that, but only purchase a hundred or 250 of them and be able to put your whole budget into that and just purchase a better product. So that's one way I talk to some of my clients, but really just comes down to if they're say really focused in organics, perhaps they're a food brand that you know, is doing organic or maybe even regenerative agriculture practices, then, you know, sort of reminding them of the values of organic food. And what does that mean? Why do people buy them? You yourself are in the market at a premium space. How do you talk to your clients about why your product is worth more than, you know, Cheerios or whatever else? And just getting people to be really excited about 
the less is more concept. You nailed it. When you said spending a little bit more money for a better product, I think that's what it boils down to. We really have to educate our customers on their ROI. And it's not about ROI, but that's how they can kind of understand how to leverage it. So for instance, you said you're spending a little bit more money on 250 pieces. That's what I talk about when I'm selling t-shirts. When I get a request for a t-shirt order, okay, sometimes it's like, Meg, I just need your cheapest t-shirt. And I'm like, all right, well, what's the end game here? Are we just trying to throw a bunch of you know crap at the wall and see what sticks? Or are we trying to really make a difference here? And do you want that logo to be seen? Do you want your customer's artwork or their branding or their message to be seen? Because I can tell you what, you can give away these t-shirts. They might get worn once the day of the event or whatever, but that shirt's going to go in the bottom of the t-shirt drawer. They might use it to wash their car. It'll never be seen again. Spend a little bit more money up front. They're going to get multiple uses out of that shirt. That shirt's going to stay out of the landfill and you're going to get a better ROI on your message. So I try to teach it that way because that's how sometimes people can understand it a little bit better when they're not on that journey, that high road to sustainability. It makes them think of it that way. And I just also like to bring in sort of the decoration aspect, not so much about what you're imprinting with what material, if it's an embroidery or plastisol hit or that, but just in terms of talking to our clients also about design, logo is important. That's the business that we're in. It's corporate, but not everybody wants to be a billboard for a brand. So what are some more subtle ways that we can have your brand on the product? Can we make it look like more of a retail feel? So have external tagging that is a little bit more high-end looking or having a smaller hit or maybe actually on the inside of the garment, especially for sales uniforms. I had one client put the mission statement for their company on the inside pocket of their high-end jackets that they were giving to their sales team. And I thought that was genius because then the person who's putting that jacket on every morning, they're being reminded of their why every time they put that jacket on. And so maybe it's a more internal, reflective, deeper process instead of a like billboard, like this is our brand out in the world. And I think that's what people are looking for these days. We're individuals, we don't want to be cattle called into corporate wear for the most part. So really think about how you're designing to make your brand stand out, but be effective as well. Absolutely. And in terms of decoration, if anybody listening wants to get educated, there was a podcast done about four months ago with Denise and Marshall Atkinson and myself on sustainability in print. And so maybe you are thinking about it in the promo and what you're selling, but also are you thinking about what printers you're using and what methods they're using? So feel free to go back to that and listen. I was just thinking when you were both talking there, you had some really amazing points about, you know, thinking about the companies that you work with and their brands and what their brand mission is and what amazing service you can provide to your clients if you're really paying attention to what their mission is and what their brand story is. So you can have a continuation of that. And create this like really lovely story around it. So it's not so much thinking about the ROI, but something that we like to say at Commons is the ROE. So what's the return on emotion that you're getting from giving this gift? Oh my gosh, you truly have become Bobby. It's like I know. I've been spending too much time listening to Bobby podcasts. <laughs> Common skew must be having a moment right now. Ashley has become Bobby. <laughs> Amazing and beautiful to watch. And the fact that I can just say Bobby and we all know who we're referring to is such an mm -hmm. honor to Bobby, right? Good job, Ashley. Oh, thanks for that. I think I got that line from him. <laughs> Glencora, you had some really amazing points and I'm wondering how you bring this up with your clients. 
So how do you enter that conversation? And what are the tips you can give us that we could be asking? The first thing I like to do is get out of email and get onto a phone call with my client in terms of bringing up sustainability or really any of the details around a job. Often a client will come with something in mind and that may or may not be possible. So we find in the sustainable product space that with the sort of advent of Instagram education, people come with fairly unrealistic ideas about what they can and can't get and for how much. There's lots of amazing new materials out, but they're not necessarily commercialized or, you know, in the promotional product stream yet for that matter. So how do I talk to them? I start by building an authentic conversation and making sure that they understand that the reason why I'm asking is for care for their brand and really demonstrate like an understanding of what they're doing and how they're doing it. I prepare myself with news releases. So I go in and I essentially try to act like a team member rather than an external person and link in on a very authentic level and then drive into the very specific questions after that sort of the guard has been down. And it's not really about the project anymore. It's about the meaning behind the project. I love the return on emotion. That's definitely how I work, right? So, you know, just get people to feel authentic with you, let their guard down, ask them if there's room in the budget, ask them if there's ways that they've thought of making this greener, and then provide some initial ideas over the phone, and then follow up with the beautiful presentation and the pictures and all of the information around the sustainability with those products included as well. Thanks for that. As a distributor, we often see how clients are promoting merch through different campaigns and et cetera. Glencora, talk to us about educating clients on how to properly promote sustainability. This includes messaging, any type of artwork they're using, how they're using their art, like we mentioned, decoration methods. The first thing I'll focus on is the design side of things and the messaging. Going back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of greenwashing and ethics washing, just to make sure that the claims that people are messaging out on their merch is accurate and factual and not overclaiming. I had a client one time who wanted to say, this t-shirt is made out of the recycled plastic containers of your ice cream. And I was like, you know, we can't say that because this is made from recycled pot water bottles, but it's not their ice creams. And so you're making a connection that doesn't actually exist. So really trying to like drill it back to something that's just honest that you can stand behind and really talk to people about realistically. You don't want to put your staff into a position of being liars, (laughs) essentially, right? I hope that's not too stark a comment. So you just want to make sure that your claims are accurate. And then speaking to the decoration side of things, looking at water-based printing over plastisol printing is an improvement. Going into embroidery is an improvement. And then back again to the design, making sure that they're making something that people want to keep. The quality of the garment or the product is great and that the design of the product is great and doing something that's more artistic than necessarily branded and bringing in that retail feel. Good point. I know back when Bella Canvas put out their fashion apparel masterclass, that was one of the big takeaways that I took from that. Take this left chest branding and throw it out the window, guys. That's a promotional product. We want to sell lifestyle brand. So why not make it more retail? You know, they talk about different methods, different imprinting locations. It makes something not a promotional product at that point. We're not selling something that was cheap and free and you got it yesterday. We got something that, you know, we want it to be like an inclusive product. We want to make it cool and everyone wants to wear it. And so by doing that, it's, it just makes it a little bit more inclusive. So yeah, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. And a note on the art too, 
we've had some clients come to us and say, you know, we want to do like a First Nations type look. And part of our role is to say, you know, we can't actually do a First Nations type look without a First Nations artist that has made that art that you've paid them appropriately to scale for their work. Otherwise, it's cultural appropriation. And you're sort of ethics washing in terms of trying to align yourself with an Indigenous aesthetic if you're not necessarily doing um, proper work with your Indigenous communities that your business is impacting. So beyond just Indigenous artwork, making sure any artist that you're working with, that you're not taking art that doesn't belong to you and putting it on your merchandise. I feel like that should be something that I don't have to say, but I feel like I do actually have to say it based on experience. And, you know, if you are going to get original artwork made, just make sure you're paying that artist appropriately for their time and original creation. And you will find dividends in that because your garments will look amazing and people will want to keep them and get that ROI as well as the ROE. (laughs) I mean, case study. You talked about the client that did the jacket. When you opened it, there was a story. I don't know if it was your jacket, but I went to a trade show and a supplier shared a case study with me of that jacket. And I begged for a sample so I could show my clients that jacket and say exactly what you just said and talk about how there's pride in having it inside and hitting and it's sort of your secret mission and you have the pride of the jacket, but you're also not embarrassed to wear it out to Target or wherever you're running your errands because the logo isn't being a walking advertisement. So the more that our suppliers can sort of tell us those case studies and share them with us, the better. Yeah, it's like leveraging the superpower of creativity a little bit, make it different. Absolutely. And that's the great thing too about this industry. It's changed so much that we're sharing those case studies and talking in common skew allows for that. And so many different platforms now allow for that. I think when I entered the industry about 15 years ago, so many people were operating in fear, fear of losing their clients, fear of sharing item number, fear of talking about supplier names to clients. And there's so much more sharing now and less fear. And you can see how the creativity is spinning. I mean, even this podcast, sharing our trade secrets of how we talk to clients and how we learn about products is great. Mm-hmm. I sort of mentioned this at the beginning that I started to notice people asking these questions a couple of years ago when I was on the distributor side and just feeling like a bit of a chump when they said, what's the end story for this product? Like I was showing them, you know, water bottles that they had asked for and they're asking me what the end story it is. And I'm like, uh, it goes in your cupboard. Like, I didn't really know how to answer that. So it made me go back and kind of do some research, but things have moved so much further and have advanced so much in sustainability. And I guess overall, the thing that I'm sort of learning through Meg and Glencora and the conversations that we're having is that you can't solve all the world's problems with one order, but you really need to narrow in on the things that matter for that project and make it really specific to them. So Like Meg mentioned about Bella Canvas, and they're actually produced in the U.S., I believe. So if sustainability means reducing emissions, then ordering from a local company instead of ordering from overseas makes a lot of sense. If recycled is important to your client, then ordering from, it could be a factory from overseas, but maybe they're making them out of recycled bottles. So just kind of learning the different parts of sustainability and how you can apply it to the clients that you have. So what kind of trends are you seeing out there now? You know what? We still have, like Glencora says, like people just call up and they're like, hey, I just need a recycled t-shirt. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) let me give this guy a call. Let me give this girl a call. So when it comes down to 
trying to discuss sustainability with our customers, I think it's all about getting to a story that they can understand because everybody is in a different point in their journey. So when I talk about Bella Canvas, and actually you said they do all their cutting and dyeing here in the US, they are actually right here in LA, they have the largest cutter and dyer in the United States. Because they're in California, they have some of the strictest EPA regulations in the world. So they have a much higher level of environmental compliance than if the fabric was dyed in another country. They use only the cleanest chemicals and then they are blue sign approved. So you want to look at brands that are doing this if they don't have some type of recycled t-shirt. Because at the end of the day, that recycled t-shirt may not have the most sustainable practices behind it. So ask the questions, look for the stories. You know, it's always a good feel-good story when you know that the scraps from that shirt aren't going in the trash. They're actually going to be made into dog beds or pillow stuffing. Yeah. And I think one of the things we're seeing and talking about in this conversation are that sustainability is so deep and so broad. And for me, with trends and clients, you know, obviously we're coming out of, we're starting to come out of a very weird and different year and buying was down. And so the people that are buying want to feel like if they're using any sort of marketing dollar, that they're going to something good and something worth it and they're giving back. So I think any trends that we're seeing are for us to be working with partners that have some sort of give back component. And I think 2020 did a lot of our suppliers in our industry did a really good job of bringing on and selling products that had some sort of give back component to water companies, to schools. There's an endless list for us now when clients are asking, can we put store program items in our store program that have a give back component? And we'll add that to the store. It'll have like give back components. Want to do good? Look at these products. And so we'll tell the story of the supplier there. So for us, that's a lot of the trends that we're seeing. I know I've even shifted the way that I purchase things. Like if I'm looking at a pair of jeans, it matters to me now more than it did before, you know, where it's coming from and what the company's giving back. Absolutely. Oh, a hundred percent. I know you guys can't see me, but I'm drinking out of a water bottle that I use every single day and it's keeping the plastics out of the landfill. You know, the coffee that I drink, Nespresso, I love that they have a whole sustainability thing going on. Like I actually, when I'm done with those coffee pods, I put them in a bag, UPS comes and picks them up and then they recycle them. Two years ago, I wasn't doing these things. I wasn't even thinking of these things. And this all stemmed from that, hey, what's your greenest t-shirt conversation? And now I live the sustainable lifestyle from down to the shampoos, to the water bottles, to everything. And it's a way of life. It's not just a trend. And I think we're always asked these questions. What questions would you ask your suppliers, Glencore? I know, I know what we're getting asked, but what are you asking for your suppliers? Yeah, great question, Meg. It's such an important part of the partnership and the equation here because, you know, for Fairwear, we're specialized in sustainable and ethical swag. So if we don't get it right, our clients don't get it right and they don't meet their promises to their consumers and to their mission. So that's a big, big to do for us. So we have, you know, Denise leads the charge on a code of conduct process that we have that we put all of our vendors through. It's very thorough and it's a weighted score that we get at the end. But, you know, for myself, when I'm looking at products from our vendors that, you know, we have our curated stream that we're allowed to work from, I'm not allowed to pull from just any vendor. And we're actually getting more and more creative with who we're onboarding. And that's sort of our secret sauce is is that side of things. But we're really looking at, you know, the country of origin, you know, this promotional product channel, what, like 95% of the products come from China, would you say? So we have to have the conversations with a lot of people that, manufacturing in China does not default equal to bad products or unethical production. 
There's plenty of factories in China that are audited to the highest standards that meet or exceed North American environmental and ethical protection standards. And then, of course, there's those that don't. And so that's part of our process is to identify those that do. I look at country of origin, say if I'm working with like a multi-line vendor to know where that product has been made. And then I'm going to ask them about certification. So we really want to see this third party picture come into play and not just take the vendor's word for it for the most part. So do they have certifications on either the manufacturing level, which, you know, Meg's already given us some of the acronyms, but, you know, FLA or RAP certified. And then on the materiality level, like if it's organic cotton, can we see the certification for that? Or if it's FSC certified, can we get that number for it? Every certification has its own sort of particularities that you need to know how to authenticate. So that's a big body of knowledge anyways, beyond the scope of this conversation. We also ask them like, have you been certified by like Disney or Nike or anything like that in the past? Because we know that those companies have very rigorous auditing practices and they get bodies on the ground and they do essentially the work for us. So if they're, you know, like Disney certified, then we're pretty sure that they're going to meet our standards as well. And then any other third party audits that you could do independently. And then we talk a little bit about their manufacturing facility. You know, Meg gave us all this amazing information about Bella and Canvas and what they do in their factory. So yeah, I couldn't agree more that, you know, you can look at the material of a product, say it's organic cotton or recycled polyester, and that's great. So that takes care of the extraction method. But does that make up for the fact that they're paying subsistence wages, or they don't offer maternity leaves, or you know, how are they managing their waste and their energy? So it's really a big picture conversation. And we don't require all vendors to meet every standard. But it's a matter of that spectrum. Like, are you considering these things? Are you working towards improvement? What does improvement look like for you? What's your baseline? Are you actually measuring in order for this to be comparable? Measuring what and how and when? So yeah, it's a pretty robust conversation that certainly Denise will have with the vendors. And then you know, for myself, as I'm doing any one job, I'll have to pick through that very carefully. I mean, it's a lot of legwork. You guys are doing such a good job of not just saying it's not that important. Someone else will worry about it. You have really set such a good standard in our industry. I think Denise recently mentioned someone wanted her to do training for her team. And although that seems laughable, again, it goes back to us, you know, sharing internally and sharing resources. But what an honor that you guys sort of set the bar in our industry for how you should be thinking. Shifting gears here, in terms of resources and training, I do also want to talk about someone else that's setting the bar in our industry. Kathy Chang from Redwood Plastics and her team recently put out a sustainability report. And if you haven't had a chance to check it out, it's all over their socials. It's a beautiful document, and really, they did a very good job of covering all bases. We recently sat with them on a podcast, which you guys can listen to. She does such a good job of her team representing exactly what their vision is. And I said to the team, I can only hope that everyone in Access speaks the vision of Access as the sales team does and the sales leaders do because they really just are so in stride with everything Kathy and her family have built over at Redwood. So please check out the Sustainability Redwood Classics Report. In terms of resources, there's definitely a lot. And Glencore did mention there's a lot on social. You can't always believe what you see on social, so you should be careful. So in show notes, we will link you to some links that we found helpful. And also want to promote Roger Burnett, who is a former Promo Kitchen Chef and a current board member for Promo Cares, he put something out called How Promotional Products Leverage Purpose to Increase Impact. It's called Red Goldfish and it's on Amazon. Check it out. Great resource for anybody that wants to learn a little bit more. 
I also want to say, I've plugged them probably 16 times, but Cromwell Kitchen does a good job of sharing any information about sustainability. You can look at some past podcasts. And as we wrap this up, I want to ask you, Ashley and Glencora and Meg, is there any final thoughts or anything you feel we haven't covered? I feel like I've learned so much talking to Glencora and Meg. A little shameless plug, when we talk about training, Common Skew is launching a sustainability conference. I don't have any details yet, but stay tuned for that. Very exciting. Great. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, our goal should be to broaden our client's definition of sustainability. You know, like I said before, everybody is in a different part of their journey. But what we should be doing is starting these conversations where you tell your prospects and your clients about these brand fill issues and how it's way more beneficial to choose better quality products that won't get tossed. Translation. At the end of the day, people will wear and use premium decorated styles way more, resulting in more brand impressions for your client with fewer cheap promotional products out there filling up the brand fill or the landfill. So I just can't emphasize enough about educating everybody. Education, education, education. For sure. Oh, and (laughs) last thing, also go to promocares.org and see all of the suppliers in our industry that are doing something along those lines as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys. Appreciate your time and input. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.